I want to talk to you this morning, titling this message, Let the Arrows Come. Let the Arrows Come. What does it mean to stand alone with God? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Let the arrows come. What does it mean to stand alone with God? Uh, there are times in my own personal life where I feel, have felt, and do feel shaken. You feel like, uh, how am I going to get through this moment? What decision do I need to make in the future? And I'm worried about the outcome. Maybe it's how to pay a bill or make a decision relationally or in your job or with your family. Uh, how do I get through this loss? Maybe there's a loss that shakes you uh, to your core. I've lost some good friends, good family over the years. And you, you're like, how can I see past this moment? How can I get through this moment? Or maybe it's a situation you can't easily solve. Sometimes we can be powerless over a thought. Maybe a thought pattern that we can't break. How do I get over negativity? How do I get over lust? How do I get over doubt? How do I get over this addiction? How do I get over this, this depression uh, that I, I'm feeling a weight on top of me? Maybe unable to see clearly a way through. And in those moments, what happens? The enemy, he whispers, he comes, he whispers doubt, he whispers fear, worry, anxiety, helplessness, hopelessness, powerlessness. And then there are other times where I feel confident that when I go to God in prayer, I feel like I can pray in faith over myself. I can pray in faith over my family. I can stand fast and grit it up and pray over my church and believe God for breakthrough. And there are times where I can pray even over my community and just even over the, the region and say, God, we're just believing and standing on your promises and uh, we're going to make it. And you have that faith that comes. So what's the difference in me in those two moments? What makes up the difference between those moments where I feel like I don't know if I'm going to make it through or how I'm going to make it through versus, man, I believe we can overcome. For me, it is my faith in the faithfulness of God. The difference between those two moments is my faith in the faithfulness of God. That determines how I feel in that moment, how I believe in that moment, and how I walk through it's my faith in the faithfulness of God. See, sometimes I forget I'm in a spiritual fight. I'm a type A person, so I like to fix things. I'm a fixer, I'm a doer, I'm a planner, organizer. So when you go through those things, you're like, all right, here's a plan. Here's how we're going to get this. Here's A, then if that don't work, here's B, here's C. And if it doesn't work, we're just going to say it worked anyway. And we're going to just go through and who cares? You know, you're just going to make it happen. And in those moments when you feel like, Ah, how am I going to get through this? And you go to bed at night and you're wrestling. You get up at night and you think about it and you get up in the morning. That thought's on, on your day. You go throughout your day. Those thoughts are pressing in. Those things are all around. And I forget, man, I'm in a spiritual fight. And how's my faith in the faithfulness of God? I find myself worried or stressed or worn. Maybe I'll harbor an offense too long. I'll place blame on someone else. I get overly negative. And we all do that, Right? We all get to this moment where we, I'm going to be strong in self. I'm going to get, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. I'm going to have, uh, you know, we work for our lives. We say, I'm going to have enough friends for support. I got to have enough friends so I can have somebody to fall back on. I need to have the right connections. I want to have the right knowledge and education. I want to have enough financial resources for a bad day, something to fall back on. And even in our good works, I'm going to try to be a good person so that at least when something bad happens, I can go to God and say, God, Hey, man, at least I've been good lately, right? Can't you answer my prayer? You see what I'm going through? And I've been trusting in my own self-effort, own self-work. My faith is ultimately, in those moments, in myself. You know, see, when the enemy attacks us with difficulty and disaster, maybe disease, maybe death, 
You can stand there in this lonely, dark, devilish place. And you're going to have to make up your mind what you're about to say out of your mouth. Some of it can be despair, can be doubt, can be dread. Or you might just say, let the arrows come. Let the arrows come. You see, the devil is going to tempt me. Can God provide? Can God, can, can he fulfill? Can he deliver? And when you feel like you're standing alone, my challenge to you is today is this. Just say, let the arrows come. All right, watch with this. Look at Ephesians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I want to talk to you briefly. I've got a few little stories. But to set the stage, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul's talking about a couple of things, but he's talking about a shield of faith. And here's what he says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Somebody say schemes. He's a schemer. Against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, but it's against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces of this darkness. Maybe we're in the darkness. Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so you'll be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. That's that standing in that alone place. That's like you're going out to a field on a battle line and you take a step forward and you feel like you're the only person there all by yourself standing in a dark place. And Paul says, stand firm, stand fast. How? He says, gird your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And in addition to all... Verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. All right, pause there. He says, the devil has fiery arrows, or some of you says devilish darts. It's the devil's darts. It's fiery arrows. It's long-range weapons that he is shooting thoughts into your mind from across the street and saying, how can you get through this? You are all by yourself. He's got you where he wants you. He gives you he, uh, this kingdom of this demonic kingdom. Paul paints this picture that spreads difficulty and disaster and disease and death. And he uses the most crucial weapon he has in his arsenal alone is doubt. Same thing he used with Adam and Eve. Are you sure that's God's plan for you? Are you sure God really wants that for you? Aren't you sure? Aren't you, are you sure that's what God really meant? What if this is a mistake? What if no one stands with you? What will people think about you? How in the world can you provide for yourself in this situation? How are you ever going to get through this moment? You should really figure this out on your own. You should step out and go find this thing and figure this plan and make a plan and do it the way you really want to do it. He tempts us to believe God's a liar. He wants you to find power and provision, pleasure, all apart from God. He tempts us to lie, to lust, to be angry, to despair. And Paul says in another place in 2 Corinthians, he says, but you can bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. How do you extinguish, how do you really extinguish flaming darts like that? How do you really, how do you and I really go through, I mean, let's just be real. How do you really do that? Are you doing it? How are you doing it? How are you extinguishing every thought that Satan is shooting into your mind? Every situation that comes up, he says, ah, maybe they don't love you. Maybe they don't like you. Maybe people are talking about you. Maybe you're not going to make it this way. Maybe you should try a different way. Maybe it's not going to work out like God said it would. 
Paul says, take up the shield of faith. I'm just going to stick on that. So in Greek mythology, uh, back in the day, in Paul's day, they would have, they would have known this, they, that the Greek gods often gave pieces of armor to mythological heroes like you know Hercules and stuff, so if you've seen those things. So they get to get uh, special swords and helmets and shields. And so Paul is kind of uh, using this analogy in a sense, but he's saying this is so far much better. This is from Jesus. He says, Jesus has given you this special armor as a Christian, and it comes from his work. It's not something you've done yourself or you put on uh, that's something you made, but this is something God from heaven has gifted the church, every believer in Jesus Christ, by grace, through faith. And the one thing I want to tell you is the shield of faith. He says, this is something you have to put on to which Christ has given you. And in, Ro- in on the Roman days, at Paul's day, there was this uh, shield. It was a new type of technology that came out just a few hundred years before Paul wrote this uh, letter. And the Roman, air, uh, the Roman legionnaire shield at this time was two foot about wide, about four foot tall, and it was made with different strips of wood glued together with leather uh, front and back and then had like a harder strip around it. It had, a, it had a, uh, a handle in the middle. And you've probably seen these on movies and things, but this shield could completely cover the soldier as they bent down. And it would completely cover them. If an arrow shot, you could hide completely behind it and it could not touch you. And in fact, as they uh, bound together, these Romans could advance into enemy territory using this shield and push back against the enemy. And in fact, another soldier could come up behind them and put one kind of at an angle at a 45 and it would make a complete box and they could just push right into and advance into enemy territory. And Paul says, this is faith. This is faith. Faith is not just defensive, but it's offensive. It protects you from every arrow of the devil, and it completely covers the Christian soldier. And it also helps you to advance further, step by step, ground by ground, into darkness. That wherever you go, you should always be, listen, hiding behind the shadow of faith. Are you hiding behind the shadow of faith? Of faith, that everything in your life is completely contained and staying within this two foot by four foot rectangle. That you could say, There's nothing, if I, as long as I stay behind this two foot by four foot square, I will not be harmed by those thoughts. And that thing he says is faith. What's faith? Hebrews 11, you know it. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen. Why? I can't see anything when I'm hiding behind the shield, right? I can't see it. I can hear it. I can also know that I'm going forward. Faith is the trust in the person and the character of God. God is our object of faith. Christ is our example of faith. The more you know Him, the more you trust Him. The Bible says faith is the assurance that His word is true, that I can completely rest. If He spoke the world into existence by His Word. I can surely stand upon that very Word for my own life. If He is holding the stars in His hands by His own Word, then how can I not trust that Word for my own life, my own salvation, my own resurrection? You see, faith, one author says, is not believing that God can, but that God will. Amen? It's the assurance. It's faith. Uh, 2 Corinthians says, faith is how we walk. Romans says, faith is how you live. Faith makes you right with God. We are saved by faith, forgiven by faith, adopted by faith, protected by faith, sanctified by faith. You receive the Holy Spirit by faith. You're healed by faith. You gain eternal life by faith. And you have victory over death by faith. That's all scripture. That's faith. 
Faith is what you have to be behind and within. One author says, faith sees the invisible, it believes the incredible, and it receives the impossible. I love that. Faith sees the invisible, believes the incredible, and receives the impossible. And Paul says it's like a shield. I think about Israel today. Uh, America years ago gave Israel something called the Iron Dome, if you know about this. And Israel all the time is getting rockets from this terrorist, Hezbollah. And they're always shooting all the time, but it's like an invisible dome over Israel. Have you ever watched this in the news? As soon as a rocket comes over, this iron dome, which was gifted to them, shoots these things down. It doesn't penetrate into it. Very few rockets actually get in because of this dome. I think about that like faith. Here we are, these little nobodies, these, this little country like Israel, in the middle of the world, surrounded by enemies, around darknesses all around, and the enemy is always constantly shooting, and they receive this gift like we do faith, and that faith is our weapon of offense and defense, that every single time the enemy shoots into our minds, shoots into our hearts, shoots into our emotion. We can bring every thought captive to Christ. We can knock those things down. They never have to come in. Amen. So how do you stand there in the middle of the darkness alone, your own mind, your own thoughts, your own emotions, and you can just shout out with all these great men and women of faith, let the arrows come. Just let them come, devil. Come on, bring what you got. Let the arrows come, because as long as I'm behind this shield, you can't touch me. How do you get to that place? Oswald Chambers, a great Christian author, said, A servant of God must stand so much alone that he never knows he is alone. A Christian, a man of God, a woman of God, has to stand so much alone that they know they never really are alone. What does he mean? That in my prayer time, in my alone time with God, I stand so much with God alone. I'm not relying on a pastor, a friend, my spouse, our church. I, I, I have all those things, but I'm so much alone with God that I know I'm never alone when I'm alone. To stand so much alone with God. I think about guys like Noah who stood preaching repentance to a generation. Elijah who stood before the prophets of Baal on Carmel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, in the fiery furnace uh, with Nebuchadnezzar. You think about Daniel standing right before he went into the lion's den knowing he was going in alone. But he said, let the arrows come anyway. How do you have that kind of faith? Isaiah 12 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. Let me say that again. God is my salvation. I trust in Him. I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. And He has become my salvation. That's a good verse to put on the refrigerator. Man, my God. Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. How do you stand alone? Well, there stood Goliath, nine feet tall, covered in bronze armor from top to bottom. Armor bearer in front of him, holding his giant shield, spear, javelin the size of a weaver's beam. And there stood the armies of Israel, all fearful and dread, for this giant was across the valley, taunting Israel night and day. Fear crept into the camp, and no man would move, because this giant, this liar, this slanderer, this dog, set the terms for Israel's slavery. This is how it's going to be, and this is who you're going to be, and this is what you're going to do. He set the terms for their slavery, and there's King Saul, supposed to be representing Christ, but he was representing a man of the flesh. Here comes this ruddy shepherd boy. 
all David ran out there to hear the cursing of this enemy. And he stood boldly, not in the confidence of man or in Saul's own armor, the armor of fleshly men, but he stood battle-ready and battle-tested because of his personal private times with the Lord. Out there on that pasture singing songs to God. In his alone time, he had learned the shield, the weapon of faith. He had learned to hide in the strength and the shelter of the Almighty. And he'd seen God do great and mighty things in his personal time before. So there comes this battle line. Oh, and he stands ready. And as the Goliath, the giant, began to shout, in a sense, David shouts back, let the arrows come. Look in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45. He says, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. He didn't come in his own weapon. He come in the weapon that God gave him. The God of the armies of Israel, whom you've taunted this day, will deliver you into my hands. I'll strike you down, remove your head from you. I'll give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. And all the earth will know there is a God in Israel. Somebody say amen. amen. And this whole assembly is going to know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into your hand, our hands. As the giant rose, that little boy ran. The Bible says he ran. He ran out there in the middle alone in a dark place, a devilish place, a place of slander and deceit where demons lived. And he ran headlong and said, let the arrows come. Just come on, buddy. I'm not standing here in my own strength. I'm standing here battle-tested in my personal prayer time with the Lord. And he took what he had, whatever God had given him, that he knew how to use. He threw that shot. One shot, one kill. Come on, deer hunters. That's how it's supposed to be. One shot, one kill. Brought him down. How do you do that in your own, in your faith with God today? You see, faith doesn't care about the size of the vessel, but the size of your God. You can take every lie of the enemy, no matter how giant, no matter how big, you can take that lie and you can bring it captive to the cross of Christ. You see, because we had a King David, a son of David who gained the victory over the enemy for all God's people, and now, now no longer does Satan slander us, no longer can he accuse you. No longer can he set the terms of your slavery. No longer can he set the terms of your defeat. Because you can quote Colossians 2.15. When Jesus had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Somebody say amen. I don't care how big the giant is, my God is bigger. There was a moment where Elisha got up that morning drinking his coffee, and his servant ran in. My master, Elisha, we are surrounded. You see, Elisha had been given cues to the king of Israel about the king of Aram and where his army was going to be, and they'd been uh, getting around uh, skirmishing. So the king of Aram sent his circle of chariots and horses around the place where Elisha was living at the time, and his servant ran in. What are we going to do? We are surrounded. We are surrounded. Are, oh, we're going to die. What are we going to do? Look what he says in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15. So Elisha answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. 
And Elisha prayed and said, Oh, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw, and behold, a mountain. It was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when they came down to him, the bad guys, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said to them, This isn't the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I'll bring you to the man whom you're looking for. And he brought these enemy soldiers to Samaria, the capital of Israel. And when they come into that capital city, Elisha said, Lord, now open their eyes of these men that they may see. The Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and all the enemy woke up from this daze, and they realized, oh my gosh, we are in the capital city. We are surrounded by Israel. We live not by sight, but by faith. I want to have the spirit that Elisha had where he could see things into the supernatural and see what God was really up to and God was really doing. Because Elisha had been walking in the Lord, God was always walking with him. You see, you walk with God, he walks with you. That's how that works. If I'm walking with God, that means he's walking with me. Elisha knew his life was in the Lord and he was able to lead that enemy straight into captivity. You see, the size of that army, the size of your problem is nothing compared to the size of your God. When we're surrounded, what do we remember? I'm surrounded by Him. I'm hiding behind that shield of faith. Nothing can get to me. As long as I'm with Him and in Him, I remember, you can quote Psalms 91 over your life. Verse 1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And this I declare about the Lord. He's my refuge, my place of safety. He's my God, and I trust in Him. He will rescue you from every trap and protect you from every deadly disease. He'll cover you with His feathers. He'll shelter you with His rings. His faithful promises are your shield. His faithful promises are your shield, your protection. And do not be afraid of the terrors by the night, nor the arrow, arrow, somebody say arrow, the arrow that flies in the day. Don't dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at even at midday. A thousand can fall at your side. Ten thousand can be dying around you, but these evils will not touch you. Amen. There is something about hiding in the shadow of faith. I am behind the Lord. He is my defense, my protector. This thing doesn't come from me. My faith is in the Lord, the maker in heaven of earth. You see, you have to be close to someone to be in their shadow. And perhaps, perhaps we often walk outside the shadow of God. Perhaps we've drifted to the left or to the right outside the shield of faith and we've exposed ourselves to thoughts, to feelings, to emotions that are holding us captive. Things that we're outside the parameters of the way God really wants us to think and believe. And we just have to come back to the Word of God and hide ourselves in the Word of God and say, God, I'm standing on this right here. This is my promise. I don't care what I see surrounding me. If I go to your Word, I believe on your Word. I'll hide within your Word, and I believe nothing will touch me. Somebody say amen. See, it's a lot more literal than we give it credit for. Well, you know, Pastor Heath, there's, you know, is open to interpretation. No, this is the Word of God. And he says, if you abide in him, you won't be overcome by them. If you abide in him, you'll not be overcome by them. You see, it was a day where Job found himself sitting on the floor in ashes. And one single day, Disaster, disease, and death had overtaken his life. 
That morning he had lost all of his servants and his camels and all these things to marauders had come and killed him, killed his servants, killed his camels and his, his cows and his estate. Then a meteor shower of all things killed his shepherds and his sheep. And then a tornado came through and wiped out the house where his kids were in. And he finds himself there in that place of disaster and death and difficulty. Now boils have overtaken him and he's filled with disease. And if that wasn't good enough, his wife came and told him, why don't you just curse God and die, Job? Then his friends come over to him and say, oh, now, now, there, there, there. What did you do wrong that made God do this to you? I'd be thinking the same thing. What did I do wrong, God? How could I? How could you? God, what are you doing? Job arose and he tore his clothes, Job 1.20, shaved his head and he fell to the ground and he worshipped. And he worshipped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And through all of this, Job did not sin, nor did he blame God. He could probably quote what Joseph said, the devil meant this for evil, but you, the Lord, meant this for good. You couldn't see everything that God was doing. Job trusted. He didn't have the full thing figured out. He didn't know the, the why, but he knew the who. He didn't know how he was going to get through it, but he knew who would get him through it. We don't always get to know everything. We don't always have all the answers, but that doesn't mean you still can't keep trusting and believing. You don't give up on God because God's ways are higher than our ways. See, as Job kept the faith, God restored him a hundred times over. You see, there are times you and I have to believe even though there's no answered prayer. There are times you have to go to the place where the Bible says to hope beyond all hope. You have to go to Psalms 23 that when you're in the valley of the shadow of death and the devil is shooting arrows at you in that dark place and he's saying, where is your God now? How could he do this to you? In the darkness, he's shouting, quit, give up, leave God. But here's God whispering in Psalms 23, says, yeah, but I'm with you. Man, I'm with you. You see, you have to be close to him to hear him whispering. You have to be abiding in the shadow of the Almighty. You have to be standing behind the shield of faith because the devil's going to be pretty darn loud these days. And if you're not close enough to hear the whisper, if you're not hiding behind the shadow of a bigger God, behind a shield of faith, you have no confidence in the flesh. You have no confidence. Like David, I can't put on something that was meant for somebody else. I can't put on fleshly things and think I can go out there and fight this battle myself because you'll lose. But if you are abiding with whatever you've got under the shadow of faith, under the shadow of God Almighty, you'll hear his gentle whisper and he'll say, I'm with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Man, I'm going to get you through this. And on the other side of this valley... It's a river of life. On the side of this darkness is a spring that never runs dry. You just hold on. I'm with you. That's why David says, so I fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's all you really need. Man, God's with you. Emmanuel, what else could you use? What's bigger than that? What's, what's better than that? Just to say, let the arrows come. God's with me. 
You see, you get to a place where you have to just start telling your reality how real your God is. Because that doesn't, all this other junk, man, it don't really matter. God's more real than this reality. Weeping may last through the night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. And I close with this. It was 1854 in London. Great preacher Charles Spurgeon, he had been pastoring a large church in London, very famous for that, <clears throat> great preacher. And a, a disease of, uh, began to come through London, and uh, uh, cholera began to come through London. All of his church members began to die. It reminded me of the COVID-19 thing we just went through. But they began to die, and he was going from bedside to bedside, grave to grave, burying great men and women of God, burying them. And he began to just weigh heavy on him, much like I feel like these last two years have been for all of us. Just this uh, darkness just began to weigh heavy on him. And he began to despair and began to walk home one day, sinking under the burden of the weight of the day that he lived. And as he walked home from the, one of his own church members' funerals, he read a sign in a shoemaker's window that said, Psalms 91, 9 through 10. And it said, For you have made the Lord my refuge, the Most High, your dwelling place. For no evil will happen to you, nor will any plague come near your tent. Because if thou, thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation, there shall no evil befall thee, King James, neither shall any plague come near thy dwelling. And you could have said, well, psh, that's not true. That's not happening. Obviously, this isn't real. I mean, look at the reality. My church members are dying. People are being sick. People are going to, I'm going to, I'm coming from one of their funerals. You could have looked at that and said, well, that's just generality. That's just maybe in David's day. That was just circumstance. But as he read those words, despite what his reality was, they became more real. He said, I read the words and immediately my heart felt secure. I felt refreshed. I felt clothed in immortality. I became calm and peaceful. And even as I began to visit more dying, I felt no fear of evil. Why? Because God never said you wouldn't go through it but that you would not be overcome by it. Doesn't mean you're not going to face disaster and death and difficulty and disease and all the things the devil can shoot at you, but you'll never be overcome by it. My spirit, my heart, my soul never has to be overcome with the things that are overcoming the world because I can abide in the shelter, in the shadow of Almighty God. Even if it's not, even if it doesn't look like I'm being delivered, even if, if uh, it looks like everything is being overcome, my faith says my God is a deliverer even if I'm not being delivered. You see, that's how real the Word of God has to become to you. My God is a deliverer even if I'm not being delivered. One author says it this way, Faith is dead to doubt. It's deaf to discouragement. It's blind to the impossible. And it knows nothing but success in God. It's dead to doubt, deaf to discouragement, blind to the impossible. And it knows nothing but success in God. And it's people like that can say, let the arrows come. Because no weapon formed against me can prosper. I am more than conquering in Christ Jesus my Lord. I know in whom I believe and I'm persuaded he's able to handle everything I give to him until that day. 
Even if I die here, to die is to be in Christ. To live is Christ, to die is gain. No matter where I go, I'm with the Lord. I win. Come on, devil. I win. Let the arrows come. I don't care what you got for me. I know where I stand. I stand in the shadow of the Almighty God. I'm hiding behind faith. And nothing, nothing can overtake me there. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads with me this morning? I'm convinced that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, things present, things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will ever, 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 ever be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How are you standing today? Are you abiding in the shadow of faith? Have you stepped out maybe to a place where you've been overtaken by things? Just one step back. Come back to abiding in God. Abide in Jesus Christ. Remain in Him and He'll remain with you. Father, I just want you to speak to every man and woman, young man and woman in this room today, God. I know that they are your children and that you love them with an everlasting love that you are for them, you're not against them. You've sent your son, Lord, not only to die, to save them for eternity, but so they can live with you forever. Even now, Lord, they can receive your spiritual kingdom. Even now, God, they've been offered great and mighty things through your kingdom. And Father, I am praying for every person here, Lord, to realize what you have given to them. Like Elisha's servant, Lord, open our eyes to see a more real reality. Lord, what you are doing and how you are for us and what you've given your church, this spiritual bride. Lord, I pray today for every person overcome by difficulty and danger. Lord, those fighting disease in their body. Lord, those that the devil has sown doubt and disbelief. Lord, maybe we've been on a shaky foundation because, Lord, we've put on fleshly things and tried to figure things out, Lord, our own way. Lord, we haven't realized how we've drifted outside of just holding steadfast in your word. And that's the reason, Lord, our hearts are not joyful. That's the reason, God, we're overcome with anger and fear. And, Lord, emotions are getting to us. And, God, we're running hot, Lord, in our our minds. Lord, are running um, 90 miles an hour. Lord, we're not able to sleep at night. Lord, we're overwhelmed. Overwhelm is a, is a word for today, God, over this whole country, God. So many overwhelmed, and Lord, apathy is set in, and God, Lord, there's a darkness and a heaviness. God, help us, Lord. We take a step back, Lord, closer to you this morning and say, God, I want to abide in you. I abide in you. Jesus, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Lord, I'm coming back to you. Jesus, I'm coming close to you. Holy Spirit, we just begin to draw right now. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Him, if you were to die today, you don't know where you'd spend eternity, it's just one, one heart's cry. It just says, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me and cleanse me with your Holy Spirit. So you begin to, right there, right where you are, man, woman, boy, and girl, if you begin to just ask Jesus... Submit to Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Just surrender your life to Him by faith. Believe on Him. Confess your sins to Him. You will be saved. You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is true. 
His promises are true. If we're not receiving it, it's because we don't believe it. His promise is true. Everyone who believes receives. Just believe. Just believe. Right where you are, if you've never experienced that, just believe. In a moment, I'm going to invite...